0: Let's finish it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Coming in, yeah. Flex, I just want to win. Yeah, LA BB, who we running with? Yeah, 2233. I'm on 10 again. Yeah, state your name. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of The Closing Pitch. My name is Spiker Helms, and this is a show about people, culture, and how to create a winning lifestyle. We're going to be talking about nature versus nurture on this episode, and Dave was playing one of his favorite clips (laughs) from The Wedding Crashers, where Vince Vaughn just gets totally annihilated by Bradley Cooper. In touch football. In touch football, um, if you haven't seen the movie, I mean, I, I feel like almost everyone has seen this movie. But that scene where they played ta- or touch football, and then Bradley Cooper out of nowhere just absolutely lights up Vince Vaughn. I always,
1: whenever I was, we were talking about this last night, and I was like, "Here's a good topic that we should talk about: nature versus nurture." And my head automatically goes to this scene in the movie, and uh, I can't remember the act, the older actor's name, but he's like, "Nature versus nurture, Lodge." and nature always wins <laughs> and i just start laughing
0: <laughs> on on a serious note when we go, when we're going into this conversation there are assumptions that we need to address before going into this and this conversation there's books and books written on this various topic and there are a lot of gray areas. But I want to put this into perspective with rational and irrational as we're going into the convo is that rational, we're, we're empathetic for the other person. Irrational is that we think that we know best. We are, the, we are the person that is the ultimate decider. And this is the hardest part about human nature is that our own life experiences, we believe, are giving us logical conclusions that we know the promised land we know what is best which leads us into biases and when you're trying to teach someone it's hard to eliminate all those biases that you have or all of those experiences that you have because again those experiences are have helped you out throughout the years but Again, you you want to make sure that you are delivering the right advice for that person, which then leads us into the nature versus nurture. And if you don't know what nature versus nurture is, nature is saying that it's the um, it's the person themselves, it's the genetics, and then nurture is the environment and um, teachers, mentors, all of that, and and becoming, and becoming the person that you want to become, which ends up giving you leadership, which ends up giving you the talents that, um, you have.
1: i even, let me, let me put it into the terms, how I kind of explain nature versus nurture. And I would explain it this way. I would say nature for a person is being in that environment, being in those elements, having you know, adversity hits you. Having good things hit you. Like the the, the environment itself is going to teach you what you should do. Okay, how you, should you it's not do this? It's the choices that you make Correct.
0: inside those environments that are, that you're given. Which I, we're going to go we're going to go deep into this with how a teacher should um, approach it, and then how environments approach it into the nature aspect of it. Sure,
1: and then, and then the nurture aspect is that same environment, but then with people kind of implementing their own thoughts to help you through that situation Mm -hmm. for good or bad, whatever it may be. And I think we're going to touch base on a few of them.
0: Every time that I try to teach something, I always like to go on extremes, so far left and then far right. And when you talk about extremes for mentors or coaches or parents, you have the parent that is completely involved. They do everything possible to make sure that that human is successful. That is like a micro mark and a micro Mary. They do. They make sure that everything is to the T, and every dot I is dotted, and they don't want any failure to happen for that person because they don't want the person to experience regret, um, sadness, oh. a- anything. And then there's the other extreme where there is no control. There, the parent is basic, or parent and coach, um, or mentor is on autopilot. So whatever happens to that person happens to them. They just supply the person with a house or a roof over their head, food, just basic necessities. And those are the two very extremes of the spectrum. Now let's try to go back into the middle where we're going to actually find the best results. So I've always
1: kind of, I've heard this said in multiple ways, but it's kind of funny because as people, Obviously, you're gonna go through struggles. No one just has like the golden ticket and life is just perfect all the time. You're gonna go through resilient moments. You're gonna go through adversity. You're gonna go through problems, issues, whatever it may be. And that ultimately, kind of, in my opinion, kind of makes up who you are. It's it's your makeup as a person. But then I I see it the opposite way when when you have a kid and I don't have a kid. You don't have a kid, but you see this all the time that now. You don't want your son or daughter to, or even when you're coaching, you don't want them to ever face those same resilient moments that ultimately made up who you are. And it's kind of a conundrum that you are in. You're like, I know where this is going. I've, I've been there. I've seen this problem before. I can hop in and I can fix this and I can stop this before. But then that person, that young person never really knows what it's like to fail they never really knows how to overcome that issue so you play this question in your head all the time am i doing them a service or am i doing them a disservice
0: i I like, thinking back into when i was a kid and different parents cuz kids are very aware of what's going on and they can see different parents like they're not blind to it and they know when a parent is totally engulfed with their kid and they micromanage that, that person. Mm-hmm. And then we, we could also see the other side of it where it's like, man, this guy can do whatever he wants and the parents don't like, like he can just walk out of the house and just walk down the street and go to the gas station and he's 10 years old. And then you have another person that don't go outside. Whatever you do, right. there's bees out there. Right. You don't want to get stung. Make right. sure that you stay indoors. And that's what's really interesting about like, and I I'm, I'm on this path of like, how do you become a really good human? How do you become the, the best version of yourself? And then ultimately are you able to repeat that and duplicate that and give it to somebody else so that they're able to be the best version of themselves?
1: You know what I think is funny? I think that so many people think that there is just a blueprint for that that they think that if i do enough of this and i do enough of that and i do you know you know learn these skills and attributes and if i teach this and there it's just going to ultimately become that person's going to become successful and the blueprint the, the funny thing with life that you find out and you don't really you don't get this at a young age trust me you know don't have a clue and i'm still learning i think you're always learning but the funny thing within life is you're going to find out that that blueprint is hundred percent different for everyone. You know, I mean, there, there are just so many different versions of that. So I, I always think when we talk about nature versus nurture, if I've ever had to talk on this with a player or with a parent or anything like that, I don't know what the correct answer is.
0: Well, I, I don't do you, think there is a I correct answer. That's I don't, what I'm saying. I don't think there is a correct answer. And there's two examples that I want to give is um, one is, fictional and one is non-fictional. The fictional one is Rocky. Rocky versus the Russian. And hmm. the Russian, uh, they made sure that everything was to, he was doing exactly everything right. Gave him the right nutrition plan. Um, made sure that he was lifting right. And he had like the, the hardest punch that there ever Nurture. was. And then you have Rocky who is just a, a brute Yep. and goes into alaska and trains in the, trains Nature. in the winter yeah. and i don't know if he was in alaska i can't remember the plot but and he's using logs and training um the hardest way possible and then he ends up beating the russian right. then you have the non-fictional which Again, IMG Academy is very impressive. I love, I love what they do down there. It's an impressive campus. They have um, unbelievable resources for their athletes. But then something in my mind goes, is that really needed to that extreme when you have Dominicans who are on an island who historically have produced unbelievable athletes and they're absolutely killing it in Major League Baseball and they never touched foot on an IMG Academy campus? How is that possible?
1: They both can work.
0: Exactly. They and both that, and that's can my, fail. And, and, that's, and that's my point, yeah. is that there is not a blueprint. If you think, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend 20000 I don't know how much IMG Academy sure. is, but let's just say it's an uh, arbitrary number of $30,000. I'm going to spend $30,000 to send my kid all the way down to IMG Academy to get trained by the best and the brightest coaches in the whole entire world and have the world-class training facility. And then you have a Dominican who has literally not even two nickels to rub up against each other and ends up outperforming your kid.
1: It's the same question of should I coach my son every single day for 3 hours a day on every element there is to know about baseball or should I just put a bucket of baseballs in front of him and leave him alone with a bat for 3 years?
0: I can I mean I can make I can make arguments on both ends, but then it ultimately comes down to that person. Correct. Which we, it goes back to the original part of the conversation. Irrational versus rational. Irrational is that you think that you know best, you know everything, that this is the pathway. I'll show you, I'll show you the golden gates to the promised land. And then the, the rational is me looking at it and being like, you know what? This person is who they are. I have to be very empathetic on that. I'm going to give them resources and then they're going to make their own bed.
1: Well, you hear this from the best, you know, best coaches out there and certainly some of the better parents that i have been around in terms of, you know, parents who've had some successful, you, you know, young men and young women in the game. They always start out the phrase with, well, I had to really find out who Bobby was like, how did Bobby tick? What did Bobby like? What did Bobby not like? What did, how did he learn? How did he go about things? Because then that gave me the impression or the the idea of then how to go forward and teach him. Should I have got him in front of a coach who was a little tougher on him because I knew that Bobby needed that kick in the butt? Or did I need to put him in front of a coach who was extremely structurally sound? That he needed structure in his life. He needed this. He needed to be, you know, pushed along that way. And that's a question that, honestly, Spiker, I don't think is asked enough. They just kind of throw them into a situation from a parent or a coach standpoint and hope that it sticks, and if it doesn't, you go on. But um, those would be a lot of the questions that I would be asking myself right off the bat because myself as a coach, I one thing I've, I've always tried to do is I have to treat every kid differently. I have 13 guys, 14 guys on a roster every summer, and I don't have two of the same personality. I don't have two of the same learning styles, not even close. Some guys I have to nurture. I have to. It might be viewed from outside perspectives as I'm being a little softer on that guy, but I also know from being around them, you know, a good amount of time that if I were to go out there and rip into them and yell at them, they would immediately push back. They would immediately hate that situation, probably walk away from the game, probably not like it. Then other guys, if I nurtured them, I'm not doing them a credit or a service. And if I go out there and I get into them, I know that they're automatically going to flip that switch on, and now you're going to see a different level of their game that you'd never seen before. I think understanding the player and the person is where we need to start.
0: And, and this is why I go more of a holistic approach. And luckily, I've had many different coaches, various forms. I've had the disciplinarian. I have the one that's the friend. I have the one that was the strategy guy. You name it, I've had it. Mm -hmm. And every coach that I've had that's just made a huge impact has been a person that has more of a holistic approach. And they live by their own um, code of ethics, which then raises the tempo of everybody else inside of um, the team. Explain
1: holistic, because... I'm kind of if I I know if I'm a little like blurry on that one, I'm sure people
0: are. So, holistic meaning that I'm grabbing different traits from different coaching styles. Okay. So, I have the disciplinarian, I have the strategy, I have the empathetic. So, it's grabbing those different various forms of coaches that I've had throughout the years and also studying coaching that I I mesh into my own. Okay. And end up becoming um more of a coach that's not sticked on uh, being a one-trick pony where if you don't do this, I'm going to run the hell out of you. Right. There's been many moments where I've had that been the disciplinarian, and there's been other moments where I haven't been. And players are like, man, I thought you were going to make, make us run. I was like, no, it's a different situation. Right. You, you guys were trying, and you, you were working your butts off, and you got to a position where it just didn't end up being the right, the right spot. So, no, you're not going to run today. But then if you miss a ball or you miss a ball while picking up, and I have to go around and pick it up, we're going to run. Because that's something that you can control. Sure. So it's having that wherewithal as a coach and that um, ability to read situations and saying, all right, am I going to be more of an empathetic coach in this situation? Am I going to be more of a strategic or am I going to be a person that's going to be the disciplinarian, which then leads me into knowing what types of weapons that you have as a teacher knowing human nature. That's a huge aspect Mm -hmm. of being um, a great person that's able to communicate with people and teach them something. And so I have a list of these things. Um, Some of them are going to are are blurred where (laughs) they can match up one one to one to one. Mm -hmm. But um, I wanted to make sure that that word was actually put out there. And here are the weapons of teaching. You have fear, failure, lack, encouragement, slash praise, support, Disappointment, reward, giving, discipline, imagination, competition, and I don't want to I don't want to mess up pronunci- uh, the pronunciation of this word, so I'm just going to say it all all together. It's showing things that a player wants, okay. which is covetousness.
1: Wow, you 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 hop deep into the Webster dictionary. I for did, that one. I
0: did, <laughs> I did, um, and some of these aren't. Literally from me. Um, It's from books that I've read and also experiences that I've had. Mm -hmm. And the big thing for me, though, is understanding these different weapons because these things are what players um, obviously are fearful of and are wanting. So knowing how to push those buttons at certain times, you're going to get the best out of your player, which then goes back to, nurture and nature because you're going to create sure. the environment and you're going to be able to go manage at certain points during that player's career
1: yeah well I think as you were going through that list I you know I think if we really wanted to deep dive into this topic I could probably give you an example in terms of coaching of where each and every one of those words plays a crucial key role in that player's success I mean mm-hmm. you can you can always look at those tidal waves and the the different moments and examples in a season, or during practice, or whatever it may be in a player's life, in his development process, where every single one of those should play a role, mm-hmm. because I always kind of look at the whole player, and I use this example all the time. If we want to make, if we want to make a player into a number, I kind of look at it as a pie chart, and I think every player's pie chart's a little bit different. Some pieces of pie for some guys might fall more into some of you know the imagination side of the things or some pies on other players might be more onto the disciplinary side and that's I think the whole key point as to what we're making here is that understanding what slice of that pie and how big is that piece of pie for that player and then kind of working towards coaching him that way and finding a guy
0: who's versatile enough to to do that Mm -hmm. and understand that micromanaging is not a bad thing. Like everyone, whenever someone hears that, they're like, oh, that's bad. I don't want to be that person. There's certain cases where you have to be someone that's on that person's case every single day and every single moment Mm -hmm. because you're trying to create um, discipline and that person is just different than everybody else. And you have to understand that that's going to happen. But then you're going to have a macro view where you're going to let some people have some freedom. You're going to give them, the ability to walk around and be able to do the things that they need to do and then you learn from them and then you end up making small little adjustments, which is understanding the, the players self interest and their individuality. That's a huge, huge thing.
1: So let's jump into this because I did want to touch base on this one. This might be a little controversial topic because I'm sure we have a lot of parents out there who listen to this show of sons and daughters who play the game. I'm gonna give you two examples. Okay, and let's talk through this process. You ever you have you heard the the term hover parent? Yes. Okay. What is a hover parent, Spiker?
0: Literally, well, it's like a helicopter parent or helicopter <laughs> that's what parent. I was, that's yeah. What I okay. Was Maybe that's the term, helicopter parent. Um, it's someone that is literally over them every step of the way, and they don't learn who that person is. And because sometimes you need so you need sure. to do that on yeah. some some players. We're going to talk about that. yeah. But they, they're they're more interested in their own self interest, not into the player's self interest.
1: Well, and I also view this parent as ev- every situation in the game is is almost to a life or death certainality. It's it's so important that they're dead set focused, and I always view these parents as as they are they are acting like that out of the utmost love and concern for their child. That is, that is 100% the fact. I've never met one, and I've coached a lot of players who have had parents like this, I've never met one that it, the, the root of that situation did not come from that they absolutely love and care so much and want their child to succeed. It's never come from a different spot, right? Okay, so we got that one example. Then we got the other example of the parent who literally will like sit at the end of the field, the corner of the field away from everyone else. When the player gets into the car after the game, they'll talk about everything outside of that game and kind of just relies more on the coaching staff or the players or the situations in the game to coach their son or daughter, right? So the almost the exact opposite of that. Almost like what we talk about with nature, a hands-off approach to it. And
0: I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that's a hands-off. Effect, not a hands-off, though. not a hands-off. Hands-off for, for, to me is literally dropping the kid off and be like, all right, yeah, get, yeah, yeah, go yeah, grab yeah, yeah. your, go grab a yeah. ride from uh, right. little
1: Jimmy. Well then let's go to that opposite extreme, like almost a, not a lack of care, but uh, it's, it's just, I don't know how to phrase that.
0: Yep. I would, I would say this, the person, the parent that's able to sit on the far end of um, the field. And be able just to sit there and watch. I would say that is the hardest thing to do as a parent, because especially if you're a former athlete, you want to be totally involved with yeah. that. And being able to see from a distance that that person could struggle. I I always go to the movie Troy when Orlando Bloom is out there, and his brother and his dad are up yeah. top on uh, the castle. Yeah, and they're watching them fight. Yeah. Um, I forgot who Achilles. Who, like, uh, yeah it was achilles Mm -hmm. and literally orlando bloom was getting his shit kicked in and about to die and then they had to come in and save him right literally sitting back and being like all right you're making your own bed you wanted to fight this guy best of luck
1: so while bringing up all those examples again i'm going to preface back to this answer that i don't think one or the other 100 percent of the time is ever the answer I don't think that ever does that player a service because it's either not going to... If you go towards the helicopter side where you're just all involved in every aspect of it, I don't think the player ever learns how to deal with those situations on his own or on her own. And ultimately, that's not going to prepare them for the future when those adversity situations hit and you ultimately can't help them in that situation. Vice versa, the other side, if you're not there to, to... nurture and to help in certain situations of adversity after, you know, something painful happens or a problem occurs and be able to kind of work them through that. So when the next time it happens, they have a better understanding Then that doesn't work. So what I've always kind of said on this is let's, let's be both, right? There isn't a maybe we should title this nature or nurture or nature and nurture, not nature versus nurture. Because I don't think it's one side or the other.
0: Whenever I've had a friend that their parent was a helicopter parent or a hover parent, and they're literally there every step of the way, that person has extremely went off the deep end when they started getting that freedom. And I think the reason that they do that is because of the lack of of being independent. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you read up on how, um, children grow and they, they get their independence, they, they do it at a very early age, around four to six years old. They start kind of, they, they can start walking, they can start running and they start moving in different directions. And you try to catch them. And obviously with my nephews and are not my nephews and nieces, my cousins, and they're going all over the place. And, you can see that they're just exploring the world mm-hmm. and they're trying to figure out like what it is, but they still are dependent on the parents. Like they always come back if there's a trouble, right? But as it get, as you get older, when you start getting trouble, start getting in trouble or you end up having failure moments, you start kind of going away from your parents a little bit. And I think that's a very good thing to have. Mm-hmm. And when thinking about how my parents approached it, I ended up going to a high school that was 45 minutes from my house. I had to drive there every single morning when I was 16 years old, 17, and 18. I can only imagine what my mom and dad were doing when they were, when I was driving. I, I bet you they're freaking the mm-hmm. hell out. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a far drive for yep. a 16 year old boy, right? Not a man yet, a boy. Mm-hmm. But they allowed me to do that. They allowed me to go on Highway 44 with all this construction. And trying to navigate myself every single morning and every single night. Sometimes I'd get home at super late. And they trusted that, that that everything good was going to happen out of that. That I was going to be able to be responsible throughout that time. And I think that's a very important point when you're talking about players and as a coach st- when you start getting into that 12 13 14 15 age group that you're able to start giving them a little bit more freedom mm-hmm. you start giving you start putting them into different environments and testing them and seeing and learning a little bit more about who they are because there's an ar- i could argue that you might not know that person until four or five years into it and that's a super important point
1: well mm-hmm. You started those age groups allowing them to fail a little bit more. And that's a good thing. Again, we've talked about that concept and that that idea multiple times in past podcasts. That those failures, well, at the time, suck. It's not fun to fail. And it's not fun to watch a loved one fail. And it's not fun to watch a player who you've put hours and hours and hours of building a relationship into to fail. It's not fun. It's not fun for anybody. But ultimately, you have to understand that that failure in that moment is only going to strengthen that, you know, that armor that you got on. It's only going to make you better in the next time that that situation presents itself. I was talking to a guy, a player last night, that he, he had his first opportunity, I think he's 11, to close out a championship game. He's never been a closer ever before. And I, I literally asked him about like, how was that situation? What did it feel like? And he went through all of his emotions, he's very, he's very good for his age of it, communicating like everything, like a very detailed description of what he went through. Now he happens to, to succeed in this moment. Right. And they won, but I go, listen, you know how many times I've failed in that exact situation, what would you have felt like if you failed? And he went into that and I was like, but you know what, that made me so much better. That made me so much better. It didn't make me more fearful of that situation next time. It actually made me want to f- find that situation again and succeed and conquer it. So again, just different, different past, different ideas to it.
0: My mom and dad said um, at, at the end of my career in college, they would always say the best investment that we've ever made was the story that I shared with you guys my junior year, my junior summer with club baseball. And the reason that they said that was the best investment was because it was a year of failure, disappointment, every negative thing that you could possibly think about. And it ended up shaping who I was moving forward out of that. And literally, I hit rock bottom, like literally rock bottom during that situation. So when you think about the weapons of teaching, And we, uh, as humans, we associate things with negative and positive. Don't think that the negative is actually negative. It could actually be positive. And the positives could actually be negative. Here's an example. If you have so much success to the nth degree, what does that person end up doing? They end up being a little bit weaker because they just expect it. They're, they're, they don't know how to handle adversity, and they love the pat on the back, and they've never been tested. Now, if we go towards fear and we go towards failure, and you end up getting just just getting kicked in every single day, when you get that little taste of success, you'll know what that failure feels like, and you'll never want to go back to that situation ever again. And what you'll do is you'll do anything possible. You'll work harder. You'll go faster. That's what you want.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Jaws just walked in. Yeah, he Jaws totally just threw, through my, threw my whole frame of pitch off right there.
0: So we're in the Tigers facility right now. We're actually in the process of moving at some point to the new facility, uh, which is going to be the national headquarters for the Rawlings Tigers, um, Rawlings is actually going to make it the training center. So it's going to be open to the public. So if you're ever in St. Louis, you'll be able to come to um, our headquarters. But um, he's moving back and forth and trying to get <laughs> this whole thing settled in in our old location. So
1: It's exciting times. <laughs> so wrap this up, Spike. What's your closing pitch on this topic?
0: Um, my my closing pitch is um, the, ul- the ultimate nurture move is putting – players in a situation and environments that they're able to succeed and to fail at a faster rate than anybody else that's the ultimate nurture move that you could possibly make the negative the the things that you want to avoid is being too micro being micromanaging everything where if you create environments for those players um, here's an example so one one drill that I love doing every single day with my team is a bullet infield. So I condense the field down into literally two times, and sometimes even three times. And I'm just hitting the balls as hard as I possibly can at a very fast pace. I don't say a word. I try to see how they're reacting to the situation which will then give me indication of who's weak minded, who's strong minded, who's creative, who's not creative, who's the leader and who's not the leader. It tells me a lot about the team in a matter of five, 10 minutes. Then I start creating other types of environments throughout the, throughout the season and throughout the years that I know these players, because then that's going to give me a better idea of who I need to be a little bit more, pay more attention to who I'm able to give a little bit more freedom to it. It, helps me as a coach to further that person along and it also for them helps them on a failure standpoint because then they'll, they'll know okay I need to be a little bit more creative I need to be a little bit more strong-minded I need to have a little bit more discipline so as a teacher and as a coach try to create environments consistently at a very fast pace so you can so players are able to fail and succeed simultaneously Um, throughout the year
1: my closing pitch would be this before ever deciding whether you're going to work with a a student a player or your son or daughter in a situation and whether you decide it's going to be more from the nature side or the nurture side first things first understand that player or that person through and throughout try to understand and this is something i always do with players before I ever start talking about anything about the game. I wanna try to understand how you tick, how you learn, how you listen, what your likes are, what your dislikes are, just everything that I can, as many answers as I can get. Because as we have those conversations, as we work through things, then I'm gonna understand how to attack those situations and how you're gonna ultimately respond in a very successful way to what I'm saying. And that might be from a disciplinary standpoint. That might be from a nurture standpoint. I might have to give you a pat on the back or a kick in the butt. It might be totally one way or the other. I might have to let you fail multiple times before you listen. I might have to be a guy who's going to shove a drill down your throat a million times over and over and over because I know that's going to help you. But every player's different. Every situation's different. And... There is no true answer one way or the other. And, and even for that one player who might need nurture one time and might need nature the second time, there is no one set way, and it's always an you know, evolving process. And just continuing to try to understand that person and where they're at in that situation where they're at in life is, is a very key element, in my opinion.
0: That's the big thing I think needs to be made is that there is no blueprint.
1: No blueprint. If, if you think that there's someone that
0: has a blueprint, I'd, I'd question that. Um, and I'd be very curious to hear what they have to say because then I could probably make an argument that, eh, I don't know hey, if that's the right way to do if it. If
1: someone tells you, I, I've kind of fit this mode, if someone tells you that they have the 100%, this is the answer to everything to and it works for everyone, you need to run in the opposite direction because that person is, is either egoed out. Or, or B, is just flatlined. you.
0: Big, big thing. Um, I know I mentioned the weapons of teaching. Go back, listen to those uh, words that I listed. I want to give one more thing on that, which will help you encompass and be like, man, I don't know how to attack any of those words and being able to teach somebody. The nuclear knowledge bomb of a teacher is story. If you're able to tell good stories, you're going to be able to hit every single point inside of those words. Because if, you, if you're if you not able to tell stories, you're not going to be able to convince someone to do something or to accept something or to help somebody else. Story is everything. So if you know how to tell good stories, you're going to win as a teacher. The nuclear knowledge bomb. Love it. Guys, that is our episode of The Closing Pitch. If you would like to get your closing pitch featured on the show, we use a podcasting app called Anchor. Um, There's a link up into the show notes. Click that link. You'll be able to record your voice. Please give us a review, five stars preferably. Guys, I'm seeing these podcasts that are getting reviews, and I know we're getting feedback off of texts, emails. I know that if you're listening to this show, you love what we what we have to say and you love the discussion that is being had. You might not agree with us as sometimes, but you love the discussion. Give us a five-star review that is super important for us. That gives us um, the ability to get new guests. That also gives us the ability to reach more people on these podcasting platforms. So please give us a review that helps us so much. Go to Apple Podcasts, click the review button, click five stars, and then write something in there. Um, You can use your name or you can use an anonymous name. Um, It doesn't matter to me, we read everything. So please do that for us. Um, If you are a new listener, this is a show about people, culture, and how to create a winning lifestyle. Hit that subscribe button if you're on Apple Podcasts. If you are on Spotify, give us a follow. Until next time, see ya. See you guys. Thank you for watching or listening or both to the Closing Pitch. If you'd like to get your Closing Pitch featured on the show, we use a podcasting app called Anchor, where you can submit your statement or question via audio. Or what you can do is comment in the comment section of this post. We also accept direct messages. Please give us the A-OK if you do send us a DM to use your statement or question on the show. Last thing, please give us a review on your platform of choice five-star preferably, and we value your opinion, and this allows us to reach more people. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode.